Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today, we have another wonderful guest joining us, Isaiah Cruz. Isaiah, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you. We've talked a little bit before we started recording here, and I'm very, very excited about this interview today. I think it's a special topic that our audience don't hear much about. I don't think this is something that's talked about enough. And so I'm really interested to hear your story, your background, and your understanding of this topic. And so before we talk about this, I just want to give you some time. Tell us about who you are, Isaiah, your life, and and we'll go from there. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for having me. I, I'm really excited to to do this podcast. I think it's going to be great, great interview. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, my name is Isaiah Cruz. I am a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, uh, specialized in addiction medicine. I've been doing addiction medicine for about six years now. Uh, anything from heroin addiction, cocaine addiction, uh, food addictions, and now most recently pornography addictions. So, um, just. To get a quick uh, background as far as uh, my my faith goes, I was raised in the church. Ever since I, I, I can remember, I always believed in Jesus. Um, raised in a pretty strict conservative church. It was never blatantly said, but by the time I was 18, I just got the impression that if you don't cuss, if you don't smoke, if you don't drink, you're a Christian. It wasn't until I was really about 21 until I really took took my faith and made it my own um, until I, I really uh, I heard the phrase righteousness apart from works by grace alone. And that, that phrase just changed my life, changed the way I saw the Bible, changed the way I did everything. And since then, it's just been a, a constant pursuit of, of Christ, ups and downs uh, like anything else. But that's, that's uh, kind of the short version of my testimony. And, uh, and so yeah. And about your career a little bit. When did you do, when did you feel led to go into this this field of medicine? Yeah, good question. So, um so as soon as I graduated, I graduated as a family practice nurse practitioner in 2016 and I went directly into addiction medicine. So, my experience before that was Why why addiction field. medicine though? Because there I know there's so many different avenues. Yes. Why this one? <clears throat> right. Nobody chooses addiction medicine unless they have a reason. Most of my patients will say, are, are, you a, are you in recovery? And I had some advice early on not to share my personal story with patients from, from a colleague. But I always tell my patients, nobody goes into addiction medicine without a good reason, whether it's them personally or a family member or a friend who has suffered from an addiction. That's why you go into addiction medicine. Nobody goes to school. I'm going to go ahead and sign up to work with heroin addicts. Uh, it just doesn't happen. 
So uh, I, I graduated, uh, went, went directly into addiction medicine. Why? Well, because I, I was exposed to the addicted patient uh, working as an emergency room nurse. Our facility had a psychiatric unit attached to it, which did also drug abuse. So being the male nurse, um, when surrounded by female nurses, they would always give me the rougher, <laughs> the rougher group. Mm -hmm. uh, so that you're a guy, you can handle it. So I would inherit a lot of the, the patients in active withdrawal. And I didn't mind it. I, I enjoyed talking with them. I enjoyed helping with them. Uh, and so that's kind of when, when I graduated and I found this, this job, it was with an opiate addiction clinic working with heroin addicts. I thought, you know what? I've, been, I've had some experience with this. I kind of like that group of people. Um, and I really think it, it's, uh, we're in an opiate epidemic. You know, people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to be a part of the problem. I don't want to prescribe opiates. I want to help people who have the problem. That's true because a lot of people are prescribed this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Absolutely. And, and you can prescribe it with all good intentions, but you know, eventually you're going to get somebody who, who misuses it and or becomes dependent on it. You didn't really mean to. Uh, and so, yeah, I decided I want to be a part of the solution. Incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us, Isaiah. I feel like we have a little bit more understanding of who you are. Yeah. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. The Prophetic War on Words. Learn secrets on how to win the war of words from creation to the Battle of Armageddon. Since the beginning of creation, there has been a prophetic war on words that will continue until the Battle of Armageddon. This war is about God's words against the devil's words. All of humanity is caught in the middle of this war. In the last days, God has destined His church to relearn ancient secrets revealed to Old Testament prophets, historical men of God, and the closest of Jesus' disciples in winning the war of words. This book is a prophetic warfare manual for every believer who wants to learn the secrets of gaining the upper hand when fighting the good fight of faith. Find your copy on Amazon today. Michael Soward's journey started many decades before COVID-19's entry into the world that shocked everyone. The sheer drama of it all reignited his hunger to search and seek a deeper, very serious bond with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit prompted him to reintroduce himself to the powerful, legendary teachings of Dr. Paul G. Trulin, entitled My Body, His Life series. The amazing, invisible Jesus Christ lives inside all of us that will receive him, says Michael. Find Michael Sword Presents podcast on all streaming platforms. And now into your company. Can you just tell us, what is the name of your company? Noex, noex.net. Uh, so it kind of stands for no X-rated uh, material, no X. And that's kind of how, how it came about. So we just start, just launched last month, June 2022. It came about last year. It took a took a little bit to get build the website and get all the the credentialing. There's a certificate, uh, a credentialing body over telemedicine in the United States. So we had to get credentialed with them, which kind of took a while. But so it, it all came about because I was doing uh, alcohol addiction and uh, weight loss medication, which is food addiction, and the medication naltrexone is used for both of those. And then I had about five different men. Who, who came for refills and they said, I'm, I'm not really using it for, for alcohol or for, for weight loss. I'm using it for porn. It keeps me away from porn. And I just thought, man, that takes a lot of guts to admit because mm. uh, it's, it's, there's so much shame or surrounding porn. 
that I thought, how many guys out there are taking my medication and are not, aren't telling me about their porn addiction? So then I started researching uh, medical journal articles about medication for porn use. And it turns out there's, there's two main medications. There's been at least 10 different uh, journal articles that I found uh, supporting, uh, supporting the, the use of naltrexone and or uh, citalopram, which is, uh, it's, uh, is an antidepressant. So I, I ran across a couple of colleagues. Uh, one of my colleagues really wanted to support. She, she loved the idea. She wanted to support it. So we kind of teamed up, started, uh, started NOEX uh, at the end of last year. And it took us about six months to, a little more than six months to get going. It's interesting to hear your perspective of treating addictions with medicine because I was a, a drug addict as well. And the other host of our show, he was also a drug addict. And we have both been a part of a program that, that deals with addicts of all various forms, food, porn, drugs, alcohol, and so on. And in our facility, it's a faith-based program, but we didn't prescribe medicine. We, it was a year-long program where we had the Bible, you know, we, we went through this format. And so hearing someone talk about healing porn or being free from porn with medicine is just different for me to hear. I definitely agree that pornography is an addiction, like you're saying, and, and yeah. food addiction and all of those things. And so I'm really interested about what you have to say on this. So with pornography here, let's say some of the statistics in the U.S., because I think it's easy for our audience to just sweep this conversation under the rug or say, yes, it's me, but I'm not going to talk about it. So let's just give our audience some statistics to start. Yeah, I, I highlighted a few statistics. I can go on and on. There's, there's pages and pages of statistics. Um, but I highlighted a couple here just for time's sake. Uh, pornography is the third most common form of sex trafficking, according to the cases reported by the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And that's outstanding, astound, astounding that uh, most people don't realize that, that uh, a lot of pornography contributes to the sex trade. Uh, 90, let's see, approximately 91% of men and 60% of women have consumed porn in the last month alone. And 98% of men have viewed porn in the last six months. And that's kind of one of our angles here with NOx is be the top 2%. And so 98% of men have watched porn in the last six months. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't include Christians, uh, which I'll get into the Christi Christian statistics here in a minute. Um, minors in porn, 11 years old is the average age of first exposure. And those are just children. I have an 11-year-old daughter. And, and she's, she's just a kid. And uh, so imagine that, that uh, being exposed to porn at, at that young, it's, it's uh, hard. 94% of children will see porn by the age of four, 14. 94% of children will see, the, uh, will see porn by the age of 14. That's, that's a crazy statistic. And, and here's another one. Teens and young adults consider a view not recycling as more immoral than viewing porn. And that was uh, teenagers 18 to 24. Uh, people 18 to 24 view not recycling is more immoral than viewing porn. Wow. Yeah. What do you think is the number one exposure to these people, these 14-year-olds or the 11-year-olds like you're talking about? How, how are they exposed? Is it accidental? Is it curiosity? From your oh. research, what would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a certain number who are just accidentally exposed and, and they're just searching for, for a term that, that they see as innocent and they, they, uh, they stumble upon pornography. Oftentimes, a friend or a neighbor 
an older older neighbor kid who shows them, hey, look what I found, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and they view it that way. Um, see, a new research uh, says that uh, children under the age of ten, porn consumed by pediatrics, twenty two percent of it is consumed by eight and nine year olds. So, uh, children aged ten to fourteen make up about thirty six percent of uh, the the porn used by. Uh, some of these kids don't even have phones yet you know what i mean right how yeah. how is this happening yes yeah um yeah, it the parents are uh, have to take some responsibility for it on unmonitored internet access yeah. and uh it, it's 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 a free-for-all in the internet world what, would, what about the christian statistics you were saying that you had yes. some of those as well Yes, that's, 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 yes, yes. So uh, of the young Christians aged 18 to 24, 76% actively search for porn. Uh, over, overall, 21% of youth pastors and 14% of pastors admit that they have struggled, uh, that they currently struggle with porn. So it's 21% of youth pastors and 14% of pastors admit that they currently struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so Christian, Christian men, age 18 to 30, 36% view porn on a daily basis. And then for Christian men, ages 31 to 49, 18% admit to being addicted to pornography, and another 8% think they might be. Mm. So then marriage seems like the antidote to pornography, right? I get a wife, I won't have to do that. Well, married Christian men. Fifty-five percent of married Christian men look at porn at least once a month. Man, you said that I might be an addict or I am an addict. What is the difference between that? Might be yeah. or am? Yeah, and it's all it all goes down to how you define it, uh, an addiction, and kind of like what, what we spoke about earlier. Uh, some people resist the idea that pornography is a real addiction, mm-hmm. and my answer is, well, how do you define an addiction? And then, you know, if you define an addiction as a chemical addict, uh, chemical substance, well, then, yeah, it's not an addiction. I define addiction by, as doing something that's harmful and continuing to do it, even though you don't want to. Mm. That's addiction. Yeah. yeah, that's an addiction. And pornography is something you, you try to stop and you can't, and it is harming you. So um, there, there, it's, whether you're not addicted to porn or not, it's kind of thing. There is a couple of different uh, scales uh, to measure a person's uh, addiction to pornography, none of them are concrete. It's not like a hard science. It's a uh, how much is this affecting my life, and can I stop? Um, so uh, most of the viewers, the, the listeners here are, are Christians, uh, assuming. So the, the question of if porn is wrong really isn't a question. No, right? So exactly. It, it is wrong, and, and uh, so then I need to stop, and you need to stop now today. Uh, so, and if you try to stop and can't, uh, or swear off of porn and then to, uh, you know, a month later have a binge weekend and then hate yourself for it, have guilt, shame, feel like a hypocrite, and then go another three months without porn and then do it again. Well, that might qualify you. And of course, uh, so we do the medic medication aspect of things. Not everybody's a good candidate for medicine. Not everybody needs medicine. But if, if you're the type of person I just described who, who's been struggling this for years and, and have six months of sobriety and then mess it up and then three months and then mess it up, it might be time to consider medication. Another thing that you said here 
was you were talking about that you need to start now. You need to deal with this now. And I think that that's something that we tend to do as Christians, you know, like another day, a new day of mercy tomorrow, you know, like yeah. I already messed up today, tomorrow I'll yeah. try again, you know, and it's no, we need to deal with it today. You know, another thing I like to preach when I'm preaching here in Brazil as a missionary is that Jesus is the one who cleans us. You know, we think, oh, I need to clean myself off. And then maybe Sunday I'll deal with the problem with Jesus at church. But no, Jesus is responsible for the cleaning. He is the one. And so I, I love what you're saying. I love it here. Another thing I want to ask is the agenda of these industries producing it. Because you said that the target is teenagers. I mean, look at the statistics that you just read. How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our children with this situation? Yeah, the, the industry does tend to target minors. And why? It's because their brains aren't fully developed. Your brain really isn't fully developed until age 25, give or take. So um, you have it's easier to experience neuroplasticity, which is a medical term for just changes in the brain. So uh, cat scan of a brain, cat scan of an addict's brain, they physically look different. And there's just several studies out there now that uh, these brain images of chronic pornography users are similar to the people who chronically use cocaine, who chronically use heroin. The changes in the brain are almost identical. Uh, how that happens is anytime you're addicted to any food, sex, drugs, gambling, whatever it is, you do that activity, your brain releases dopamine because it liked it. I was like, hey, let's do that again. I liked it. We do that thousands and thousands of times. Your brain creates pathways in your brain to think about it because that's what I like to do. So it's almost like uh, kind of incorporate Pathlow's laws. When I'm stressed, I do this. I'm stressed, I need to look at porn because it releases that dopamine to relax me. When I'm lonely and sad, I look at porn because I need to relax me. So before you know it, that's, that's what your brain goes to when you're, when you're having a bad day, when you're stressed out. And it, it, it gets to a point where it's almost a compulsion. You can't help it because your brain automatically goes there. So people who research this stuff says it takes about a year. It takes about one to two years for your brain to destroy all those old pathways and create new healthy pathways. And uh, some people can do that without medicine. Some people can might need a little medication to, to get it going. But uh, back, back to your original question here, the, the porn industry and, and uh, the teenagers the and, mm -hmm. and, and children. Yeah. And, and the target is because they are susceptible. I mean, let's face it, teenagers tend to have uh, a little higher sex drive, right? And uh, a little more motivation to seek out sexual content, whether it's to learn about sex or to, uh, or, or, or whatnot. So, so uh, and, and then as far as protecting our children right now, in order to access porn, you just need internet access, any kind of mm -hmm. phone, computer. And then you go to a porn site. The only thing stopping you from going to a porn site is, are you 18 or older? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Well, all you do have to click yes. There's no nothing stopping a child from, from clicking yes, which is another thing that NOx wants to change eventually uh, is create some, some laws that, that prevent this. Because I'm a nurse. In order to get the, the nurse's discount at Under Armour, I have to register at ID.me, which I have to give my nurse's license. I have to give a copy of that. I have to give a copy of my driver's license, put in my name, my address, everything. And then I get a code that I can put into Under Armour's website to get their discount. Mm. Why can't we have this for adult adult websites to prevent these children from, from accessing porn? That's amazing. I, I like what you're saying here that 
I mean, this takes me to the next question here is that what is your goal as this company, No X, to raise awareness, to stop this? What, what is the goal here? Both, yes. So uh, ideally, we want to raise awareness uh, and help people. So if you, if you get medicine from us, great. We do sell, we're a telemedicine company. We sell, sell medication to all 50 states and Washington, D.C. If you use us, great. We love it. If you just go to your family doctor and ask for medication, that's okay too. We're happy. We just want to, we're, we're happy that you're doing that. Now, most people are a little hesitant to go to their family doctor and say, Hey, uh, I'm addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> for whatever reason, and then maybe they grew up with that family doctor. And there is some shame around it. And would the doctor want- react to it the same way that you guys do? Or would oh, they, absolutely. would they prescribe medicine or is it not typical? Most likely no. Uh, unless you're dealing with an addiction specialist, they would say, let's, let's send you to therapy, which I'm all about therapy. I love therapy. Uh, and, and it's a necessary aspect. But if you fail therapy and failed and you're on your last leg, um, kind of like no exit is, is if you've tried and failed, let's try medication. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people, they don't necessarily seek help until their life crashes down until their wife says, I need to, we're going to get a divorce if you can't stop watching porn. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, this guy is like, my life is over. I need to quit. Like my life depends on it because it does. So then let's throw everything and the kitchen sink at it, including therapy, medicine, accountability, everything to try to get this over with. So yeah, the goal of NOx raise awareness, um, provide access to medication if, if necessary. Mm-hmm. And like I said, eventually we want to tackle some of the, the legal aspects of how pornography is uh, marketed to children. Yeah, that's amazing. I've never heard anyone talk like that before, you know, yeah. like, like the exact, like what you said with Under Armour. I mean, that's a great example there to do that. Yeah. That's yeah, so it is. We should definitely be doing that. Why are we not? Right. Know? I mean, it's common sense. Like, uh, whether, you, you know, in the secular world, there's people who think that pornography is just okay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing immoral about it. Regardless of what you view that children shouldn't be able to consent to watching pornography, whether you're, you're secular or Christian, it's, it's a matter of um, exposing children to, to this. So not to oversimplify things, but one of the best ways to protect our children is just to talk children is just to talk about it. Um, and, and just uh, so the younger kids, they need, they might need uh, some terminology to some vocabulary to, to call uh, you know, call a spade a spade. And so when they are and the neighbor kid does expose them to pornography, they can say, this is pornography. I should not watch it. Then give them permission to tell you about it. Tell their parents, listen, Jim Bob showed me some pornography. And so, and then the parent's job is not to freak out. So if you prepare your kid, they, I'm going uh, to Jimmy Bob's house and I'm going to have a talk with him, you know? Right. Yeah. So, but if you prepare your kid, give them the terminology. This is what yeah. pornography is. This is why it's bad. This is why people like it. This is why your friends are going to show it to you. Statistically, 94% of kids before they're age 14 are going to be exposed to it. So and when you're it. saying this, I'm thinking about our audience who, are ha- who have children who are worried about this. What is the right age to tell a child? Because of your expertise here, you have a daughter, 11. What is the right age to talk about this? Yes. So you can start talking about it as soon as five, six. There's books, um, a book I, I read to my, my, I have four daughters, two, seven, eight, and 11. Um, book book I, I like is Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. 
And it explains in a child's format what a bad picture is and what to do when you have a when you are exposed to a bad picture. So you have to, I always say a storm is coming, let's grab an umbrella. We, we know the world is crazy and the pornography is out there. Let's at least prepare our kids, give them the tools they need. Uh, you know, call, call body parts by their correct names. And if, if a, a, a mom and dad can't say penis and vagina without giggling, how are they going to expect their kids to, to do that? So you ha we have to give our kids the tools to, to overcome this, to battle it. We have to be the gatekeepers of internet. Uh, a child should not have unlimited, unmonitored internet access. And that's just common sense. Some of us are too lazy for it. I was, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was lazy. I was like, oh, my daughter's a good kid. She's not going to, you know, do that. Well, people stumble on it on accident. And so uh, we have like a internet blocker right now. Uh, so any, which is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of hard because I'm in the porn industry. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's a kind of a joke my wife says. She, like she meets a friend and said, what's Isaiah doing? Oh, he's in the porn industry. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like an inside joke, but um, it's hard for me to do research because our internet does, I have kids and our internet does block some of this stuff. So my question also, do you recommend any internet blockers out there for our parents listening today? Yeah. So um, there is, uh, I forget the terminology, but there is a uh, interblock internet blockers that'll block it at the IP address. So any anybody who's logging on onto your IP address will do it. I know Disney has one, Google has one. Um, so as your children are younger, internet blockers are best. They have no access to it. As your children get older and parents have to decide this age, accountability software is the way to go because you want to expose your children to this. Uh, not, let me rephrase that. <laughs> you yeah. want to expose your children to the tough decisions before they're 18. But while you still have sway over them, you want to allow them to make these hard decisions. And so accountability software like Covenant Eyes is better for the older. That is one I've, I've used before with working in ministry is Covenant Eyes. I yeah, don't know if there was yeah. others out there. And they don't, they don't block in uh, bad sites. They, they have a, an accountability buddy. So when a risky site is accessed, it emails your buddies to say, hey, Jim Bob over here is looking at this. You may want to talk with them, and obviously, it's, it'll notify the parents if, and they have it uh, if, if they access a, a risky site. They do have it for for mobile phones as well, so that's also uh, also an idea. So, um, also, parents, we have to be a good example. Um, so, uh, do you flip the channel when the sex scene comes up on a TV? And a question. Yeah. There, yeah, and you have to. I, as I have four daughters, and, and this this phrase kind of changed the way I view things. You have to be the man you want your daughter to marry, and that kind of just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And so, are you flipping that channel? And then some of these commercials are crazy. Are you calling it out? Say, you just tell your kid, hey, do you see how they they're trying to sell their product with sex appeal that that she's not wearing very much, and they're they're mm -hmm. trying to sell that product because of that. Just call it out. There's an elephant in the room, right? Let's just give it a name. And uh, that, that way your, your children are exposed to it and they know how you view it. That's good because our culture is becoming more sexual every single day, you know, Absolutely. all the time, yeah. all the time. Music, TV, movies, everything yeah. is becoming more. Absolutely. So uh, some of the dangers uh, behind porn. 
and uh, again, this podcast is a Christian Christian audience, so I shouldn't have to say why porn is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, some of the you know depression, anxiety, social isolation, and then especially as Christians, you have a crushing guilt and hypocrisy surrounding uh, uh, porn, shame, and then uh, back a little bit back to to the changes in the brain. Com- repeated exposure to pornography uh, is ca- uh, something called down regulation of the dopamine channels. So what med- that's a medical term. What it means is you need more and more dopamine stimulation to get the same result tolerance. So a person gets less joy out of life when they're addicted to porn because everyday things that, you know, hugging your kids, you know, doing things you enjoy exercising, just, they're just not they're not giving you the dopamine that your brain is used to. So that, that, uh, another thing you sent me is that you, you begin to objectify people, right? Absolutely. Can you talk about that a little bit more as well? Yeah. So objectifying people, um, people who, people who view porn are more likely to objectify, uh, women, uh, and you know, women are addicted to porn too. And, uh, it's not just a male thing anymore. And so, um, you, you start seeing, seeing people as objects and, and or um, viewing sex as a selfish act instead of uh, a unity type act. And uh, one thing that um, we, we tell a lot of young couples and or like premarital stuff is, um, is don't um, try to mimic what you see in porn. Because by the time people, you know, 22, 25, they've seen porn, right? Almost everybody, except the top 2% maybe haven't. But you're going to try to, to mimic that, that pornographic behavior, which is going to be degrading and, and, and sometimes dangerous. I think that's a great point as well, which takes away the fear of the teenagers that think I need to learn. I right. need to, to oh, understand yeah. before oh, I get man. there. Yeah. So I'm educated. Oh, I, I, right? It takes I away that this, lie. Yeah. Oh, it's a lie. It's a huge lie. I seen this TED talk about pornography because I do a lot of research on pornography. And this is a therapist. And, and she, she, uh, she was providing therapy to a young 21-year-old. And he's like, I, my girlfriend's just not, just, not, uh, just not happy. Maybe I should start cooling her hair during sex. Or maybe we should try anal. And she's like, no, no, none of that is okay. And it, it's, it's just, a, just astounding how uh, we view that as normal. And, and it's not necessarily kids' fault. They, they view that as normal because that's what our society is, is giving it to them. Man. What else can you tell us about your medicine, the services that you offer, just overall for our audience to capture that again? Yeah. So uh, we decided when we started this company, we're just, just going to do the medicine because there's a lot. We, we encourage therapy. We encourage biblical therapy and accountability. All of that stuff is good, but you can get that everywhere. What you can get is medication. Not a whole lot of family doctors know that this medication is used for pornography. So we wanted to just specialize in one thing. So we offer naltrexone. Naltrexone, it works in three ways. One, it makes a person less impulsive overall. Two, it helps to reduce intrusive thoughts about pornography. And then three, it reduces the endorphin release from pornography. And, and oh, 
not, I'm not encouraging people to continue to use pornography while taking this medication. The idea is just like Pavlo's law, when you open up your computer, knowing that you're going to go to a pornography site, your brain already starts releasing that dopamine and it's already getting your, your, your crime. The medication stops it before it even starts. It'll stop that. So, so when you have to open up your computer to do something else and that, you know, pop, let's go to a porn site. Well, it shuts that down. So either one, you don't think about it or two, when you do think about it, it isn't as alluring because that dopamine isn't being released. And the second question attached to that, what are the the side effects? Are there some side effects that people should watch out for with this medicine? Yeah, absolutely. So um, most people can tolerate naltrexone with minimal to no side effects. And when starting off, we have to taper on because it can cause some upset stomachs and nausea, gas-like pains, drinking lots of water will help to minimize that. Most people can tolerate it fairly well. The biggest question I have, uh, I get is, will it affect my sex drive? Will it block the endorphins from having sex, from working out, from hugging my kids? Short answer is no. And naltrexone blocks exogenous endorphin release, meaning from outside the body. So like I said before, it's used as a weight loss pill, so comfort food may not feel as comfort. Uh, it's used uh, for, to block um, uh, alcohol and uh, it's used off-label for gambling as well, but pornography is what reason why we, we're using it. So that tends to be our number one seller. Oftentimes uh, um, married men like it because it doesn't affect their sex drive. Fair enough. Uh, next medication we use is citalopram. If you're allergic to that, we can use sertraline. Uh, both are which are in the same category, SSRIs, they're antidepressants. Uh, reason why we use that for pornography, which there's a lot of literature supporting us, is to, it does two things. One, it reduces anxiety when, uh, when uh, surrounding pornography cessation. Then two, SSRIs are known for causing sexual dysfunction. So it reduces libido and uh, so uh, causes you to think about sex less. So ideal for people who are single, um, who aren't sexually active, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't necessarily think about sex. And, and, and none of the medications are, are meant to be used for life. And we, let's just, I always say medication's a tool. You still have to do all the hard work. Medicaid is just so happens that jobs are easier when you have the right job, right tools for the right job. And that's what the medication does. Yeah. Well, Isaiah, thank you so much for all the things you you said today. I, I feel very informed. I can't wait to talk with my wife about this and share with my other friends who I was motivating about this coming episode today. And what else can you tell us? If you could leave our audience with one overall point, what do you think that would be today? That's a good question. So I guess my the, the biggest thing, thing I want to emphasize is you have to quit now, like we talked about, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to use every resource that you can get your hands on. YouTube videos, uh, like I said, TED Talks, um, uh, reach out to your pastors or clergy, reach out to your friends. And so there's so much shame around pornography and it's only shameful because we made it shameful. You have to, we have to get past that. Uh, like I said, 98% of men have watched porn in the last six months. You're not alone. Let's just call. Let's just call it what it is. Get it out in the open, so it's no longer shameful, and we can talk about it and get, at, at, like I said, use every resource possible. And if that includes medicine, that's great. If not, that's that's great as well. I think you're right because when you said statistics earlier about Christianity and about pastors who admitted 
because that's the only the only statistic you said who admitted were right. the ones in the church and i think that yeah. that's the key you know we it's so much shame we don't want to talk about it we don't talk about it in church we don't have enough information and yeah i think this is an excellent podcast for those people who have been fighting this battle alone and are afraid to talk about it and i think that this is is perfect another important aspect related to christianity's quitting porn is uh, romans 8 12 and 13 i believe if by the spirit we put to death the deeds of the body you will live and that's what that's the key difference between a secular person stopping porn and a christian person stopping porn it's by the spirit you have to quit porn in a way that god gets the glory so how do we do that uh, i i i prescribe medication so i'm all about medication so doesn't mean we can't still give god the glory so uh if by the spirit so that's a that's a great way to word it but what does that actually mean well the spirit of god is the word of god and we know this because genesis says that and also um the the armor of god the what's what's uh, so we have to put to death the deeds of the body of the armor of god what is a tool used for putting to death the sword which is the word so use the word to put to death the deeds of the body, memorizing scripture, keeping it close to you at all times, this, keeping it in your heart. This is, this, is, uh, this is what sets us apart from the secular people uh, who quit porn, which is still a good thing. I still promote, but we have to do it in a way that, that gives God the glory. I think that's an excellent phrase, a way that gives God the glory. Yeah. Thank you again, Isaiah, for all the things that you brought today. Yes, Where can we so find much. your website, your social media, other things like that to, to get involved? Yeah, uh, no-x.net. So no-x, the letter x, dot net. Uh, that's our, our website. We do have a little bit of a blog there where I try to post things uh, every every so often. Uh, we're on social media, no-x. You can search. Uh, we have links on our website. You can search uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all that stuff. Excellent. Thank you so much again. Can I have you end our time today with a prayer? I would really appreciate yes. it. Yes, yes. Wow. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace that you have for us. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We thank you for your forgiveness and the grace that you give us. We pray for all the listeners here who, who this resonates with or whose spouse this resonates with their spouse or friends. We pray that you can uh, just, just, uh, motivate them to to seek out help seek out you and that you can uh you can get the glory that uh we can help people eradicate porn in a way that you still get the glory uh, thank you so much for uh, everything you've given us just say amen. amen you've just listened to the faith and family fellowship podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.